Mary Magdalene has always intrigued me. Even as a child, I was curious about this woman who I'd heard was a bad person somehow. But she was there at the death of Jesus, witnessing his resurrection. Mary Magdalene demonstrated giving as an act of faith and passion. I recall the story of her washing Jesus' feet, and he liked it. And as a child, that one didn't make a lot of sense to me. But now, after experiencing camping and hiking vacations, where you walk for days in the same shoes, the luxury of someone to wash your aching feet, to rub your feet in expensive essential oils all over your blisters, and then to use their gorgeous locks of hair to dry my feet. Hello, sign me up. <laughs> As with many smart women in history, contentious negative stories have been made up about Mary Magdalene for thousands of years. I always wondered what was fictional and what her truth was. Her name is mentioned 12 times in the Bible, more than any of the apostles, the official apostles anyway. Studying her in my global Christianity class, as well as in other classes at seminary, as, and I also um, looked at my own genealogy and cultural identity research, I considered how often stories of women are written by men. As a woman of faith, I wanted to look at what we could learn from her. I myself was very interested in how she could be an example to us Unitarian Universalists, how we could live our faith, create our canon, our theology, in a manner that marries passion with pastoral care and prophetic wisdom. We are called to do this work of love. Like many of you, I have been involved in many social justice causes for women, the poor, voting rights, LGBTQ people, homeless youth, advocating for the arts, reproductive justice, and the right to abortion. I have given time, money, and passion to making the world look more like the one I believe is just. Just like Mary has, it is a call of love that enjoins us to create. When I think about how much was at stake when Mary Magdalene showed up for Jesus, the cause I think of that's similar today, this very week, is what's happening in Georgia and Ohio around losing access to abortion. I am petrified when I hear Congress people think that they can re remove ectopic pregnancies and plant them in a uterus and somehow we will have no need for abortions. I am petrified women and people with uteruses are not going to live through this kind of cutting off of legal access to abortion. You may have causes you care about that are that serious as well. And I'm contemplating how to channel the fortitude, the mama bear, the spirit of elephants encircling youth that Mary illustrated for Jesus and the movement that she believed in 
how does our own participation in revolutionary justice carry over from these examples? If we look at Mary Magdalene and the way she illustrated her faith and her devotion, we could use her as motivation to do this work of love. Mary Magdalene stood by Jesus no matter what. Like many devotees to a cause, she professed her faith and was frequently questioned about her loyalty. Imagine the times you have heard people say, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you want to go to that rally? Are you sure you want to give money to that? She professed her faith frequently. She traveled with the movement and stuck by the cause, even when questioned. Mary Magdalene's faith and her commitment was unwavering. When we approach our faith of Unitarian Universalism, do we demonstrate it the way Mary Magdalene did? How deep is our passion in planting seeds for a better tomorrow? That Gospel of Luke you heard describes Mary's devotion and how she shared her time, money, and talent with Jesus. Right following that is where Jesus describes the parable of the sower, where we yield what we plant. It illustrates how we must plant seeds for the world we desire. In that chapter, we hear that afterwards, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news. This is the social media of today, right? That's what he was doing. Twelve were with him, and it talks about the women being cured of evil spirits and infirmaries. infirmities. What does that mean? Mary, called Magdalene, was cured of these seven demons. And all of these women were providing for the men of this movement out of their resources. When I heard that, I was really surprised. I thought women couldn't make any money in that time. I also learned it was an unusual combination of male and female followers. That was odd that they were all traveling together. Given the ancient Palestinian attitudes toward women, that would have been so unusual. We learned that it was the women who provided for the movement from their resources. The participation of Galilean women with Jesus' ministry is remarkable, as is the mixture of genders amongst the followers. And many scholars note that Mary Magdalene apparently came from Magdala, on the western coast of the Sea of Galilee, a place with a rich history for both Jews and Christians. And this area is known for great fishing, amazing metalsmiths, all these merchants. Women would have been merchants. And many of the women were fabric dyers, like I am. We have no record of Mary's family, her marital status, or age. That she was free to follow Jesus in travel suggests that she either had no husband nor children or that she was traveling with her husband and children. There is actually no evidence supporting the idea that she was a prostitute. In fact, Magdala was such a wealthy area, many, evidence, many of the evidence suggests that Mary may have been one of those merchants, which would explain how she was able to use her money and time to support Jesus. Likewise, we learned in Reverend Eric's Easter sermon that Jesus most likely was married. 
because rabbis could not carry out the work of studying and teaching without wives who supported them. The fact that his wife is not named in the New Testament does not mean he didn't have one. In fact, it likely means the opposite. He, of course, had a wife, but the misogyny and the patriarchy of the day dictated that they were not worth mentioning. Saint Sarah in Catholicism, which some say is or isn't an official saint, is believed by some scholars to be one of Mary Magdalene and Jesus' children. Roma people, one of my ancestral identities, worship the goddess Kali Sara under the guise of Saint Sarah. Women cannot worship male gods, and as things went on, um, Saint Sarah, it looks like, actually was a mysterious woman who came from the sea, operated on the land and sea. Sounds a lot like a mermaid to me. Uh, so as the Catholics were trying to convert the Roma people, they blended Sarah and sometimes Mary Magdalene. Sometimes you saw three black goddesses or the three Marys throughout the places that the Roma lived. And Mary Magdalene and Sarah became enmeshed in this polytheistic love. The daughter, Sarah, they honor in multiple ways of honoring the divine. Sarah La Kelly, or Saint Sarah, was mysterious a wise one who held secrets of land and sea. And legend has it that she lived near the Rhone River and traded precious metals on sea routes. And the reverence the Roma holds for her goes back to the worship of the Hindu goddess Kali in India. Saint Sarah is viewed as a kind and giving saint or goddess, whereas the goddess Kali, a protector, is used in fertility rites healing the sick, finding the lost, giving blessings to the needy. Who does that sound like? Catholics, as they worked to convert indigenous people, tried to convince them to pray to women saints while abandoning their native faiths. As I look to how Mary Magdalene's story has been twisted over time to scorn her, to write her out of history, to ignore her and her daughter Sarah's power, this too reminds me that we as Unitarian Universalists need to take up the causes of women to save humanity. When Mary Magdalene met Jesus, she escaped from her ailments. Scripture indicates Jesus cast seven demons out of Mary. From that point, she loved Jesus with abundant, enduring love. For the remainder of Jesus' ministry, Mary was there to serve with him in the movement. Some say seven demons points to her being completely ill. Some say it referenced seizures or epilepsy. Others say it could have been a combination of mental and physical illness, or it might have been a poetic way of describing someone in a great deal of pain. It sounds to me like Mary had some invisible disabilities, is how we would describe it today. Regardless of what she was afflicted with, we can imagine that if she was able to go from illness to health, she would be very grateful for this person and devote herself to their ministry and their cause. 
Mary Magdalene was intent on illustrating the gratitude through words and action that she had been blessed with. It was common for women who were healed to provide for Jesus and his followers. This movement was not being funded on a GoFundMe, right? They had to attract people who would help bring the food and the shelter and the clothing. So when you think about your faith, how do you bring it into your life? Mary Magdalene shared precious oils and perfumes to wash the feet of Jesus. She had those as a merchant. I imagine today she would be selling essential oils, perhaps a doTERRA dealer in our midst. She would probably be funding abortions and buying birth control for those in need. She used her own hair to lovingly care for this man. This is a woman in touch with all of her power. We know she traveled with Jesus even as he was being persecuted and on trial and put to death. This was no casual, oh, they'll kill him. They were going to kill all of them. Traveling with Jesus and the tribe was dangerous. Mary went to care for his body. She went with his mother after his demise. She was one of the first to witness his resurrection. That's no casual follower, no simple groupie. We see in the Gospel of Mary, Mary Magdalene say, Peter questioned him about the Savior. And Peter's like, did he speak privately with a woman and not openly to us? Are we supposed to listen to her? Did he prefer her to us? Yes, Peter, he did. <laughs> Then Mary wept and said to Peter, my brother, what do you think? They're having a family argument here. Do you think I'm lying about the Savior? Think about the problems of the in-laws, right? This happens. Hearing this, consider how often people argue about who is worthy to lead the movement. Think about all the women running for president right now and women leaders. We press them to be like paper doll ideas of women. If they cannot be saints, they are called shrill. Commentators and friends talk about their clothing choices, their body size. If they show us any sensuality or smarts, they are discredited. Instead of paper doll perfection, think about what Levi says. Levi answered and said to Peter, If the Savior made her worthy, who are we to reject her? Surely the Savior knows her very well. We can see the importance for Jesus to carry out the work, regardless of who you were or what means you have. Jesus did not want only perfect people to teach about love. Jesus wanted the ill, the sultry, the beautiful, the poor, the shrewd, the business people, the wealthy and the wise. Not only did he want all genders joining him, he was looking for everyone to find a way to sow the seeds of love. Jesus was instructing you not to wait for the most ideal way to give of yourself. When I retire, when I quit this job, when I have more time, when I'm not so tired, when it gets warm out. 
Jesus was saying, hey, go take the talents you have. Do it now. Go forth. Do the work. This example is that Mary Magdalene was teaching us that even if you are called crazy, even if you are called less than, we need to go and heal ourselves first. And once we are cared for, we too can share with others. Healing ourselves is really the first lesson of Mary Magdalene. Next, we know that Mary shared resources in specific mentions of perfumes. Many scholars agree she was sharing the riches that she had. It didn't come in currency. She was there to help Jesus' disciples continue preaching and healing. That's why we give to this church. That's why we... We try to give more and buy into what we see as the movement. That's why we have the guests at your table. We see Mary giving and sharing freely because whatever you have adds up. How can we follow this? In thinking of bringing Mary's example of faith into our own life, consider washing the feet of Jesus. This is such a personal and intimate act of love. <coughs> I always think, what does this mean now? How can we use that book to some good if it's the most popular one in history? And I liken this idea to perhaps cutting hair for the homeless or donating locks of hair for those who don't have it. Perhaps it's sharing our clothing or cooking for those in need. Maybe it's about sharing vulnerability and passion for love. There's pleasure in this, too, because we want the movement to be so attractive. That's why we bring in arts and beauty into our movement. That's why we have lovely music. That's why we invest in faith formation. We last see Mary carrying out the work of Jesus, even when it's really controversial. It was not convenient or easy to care for his body after watching a brutal death. Do you think she wanted to show up? Don't you think she wanted to stay in bed and cover up and curl in a ball? I know I would have. If we see the holy in the face of everyone we meet, how can we carry out our faith when it's tested, when it's inconvenient? when it means we have to truly sacrifice. We often think we're not worthy to share. We often meet people who think they cannot donate unless they have a lot. We hear people say they cannot volunteer until they have more time. We think that we need to be perfect before we give of ourselves. And yet we are being asked to take a stand for something we believe in every day. Mary shows us that even when persecuted, we need to love people. Just as she carried out the rituals of love, even in death. In both stories of resurrection and in the Gospel of Mary, she pledges to preach and share the work of Jesus. This is not simple. It sounds like, oh, I'm going to go out to a street corner and hold up a sign. No, they were looking to kill all of the disciples. They wanted to get rid of this movement. It was, it was anti-government, right? How are we seeing that today? 
And she pledges to preach, and she's the one there convincing the disciples, we gotta go, we gotta do this now. Right? She's ready to do it like the way women often form movements. She's gonna start in the living rooms. She's not gonna go out to the square, maybe, but she's gonna do it. She's gonna organize an underground. It means incorporating her beliefs into her life and risk being killed or jailed. Our actions in the name of love are called to be just as passionate. Mary Magdalene illustrates God's love in showing gratitude and sharing resources and volunteering and acting out our faith and passionately calling to this love. I ask all of you to join me and do the same. It might be difficult, but I think we're right.